Hi, and welcome to Green Deal, Big Deal, the podcast where we discuss Europe's green future. My name is Eva Ivashuk. And I'm Aaron Best. We're pleased to join you today from the offices of Ecologic Institute in Berlin. In this podcast series, we explore the ins and outs of the European Green Deal, the EU's flagship environmental initiative. And in today's episode, we will be covering the future of mobility, especially the electrified future of transport. If the European Green Deal is something totally new to you, please check out our first episode, which provides a great overview of what it is all about. So Aaron, what is it that we're talking about today? Well, today we're going to be talking about mobility. So to achieve the EU's goals, we need to rethink mobility from the ground up. And that involves many aspects, not just electric mobility, but walking, cycling, public transport, even rethinking how cities are designed. But electrification really is at the center of the challenge uh, and the transformation we'll be talking about today. And it's not just about climate in terms of environmental problems. There are other issues as well that the mobility transformation needs to address, such as air pollution. And there will be new challenges. So we'll be talking about some of those things as well, especially around the issue of batteries. So we have two guests today, one from Germany and one from Poland. And we'll be talking about this really continental effort that is the mobility transition in Europe. Okay, let's dive right in. So we are joined today by Katarzyna Sobutka-Demianowska, a Warsaw-based businesswoman who works in the electric mobility space. Katarzyna, you have been involved in e-mobility for quite some time. Could you please tell us a little bit more about your professional experience in this area? Hi, I'm Katarzyna. As you said, I'm based in Warsaw, Poland, and I've been involved in the mobility sector for the last five years. I started at the time that no one believed in immobility, electric cars and so on. No one believed that we can drive these kind of cars longer than, let's say, 50 kilometers or go outside of the cities. But I was responsible for building up infrastructure for fast charging at the petrol stations in Poland. And from that, I'm involved in the immobility sector from different angles, from the technology provider, charging point operator, and so on. Great. And now we have the European Green Deal, so a very different world than the one with which you started five years ago, your work. And the European Green Deal aims to accelerate this adoption of electric mobility all across the EU. And I wanted to ask you, what does such a huge e-mobility transition mean for different businesses, such as car manufacturers or, for instance, battery-related businesses in, in Europe and beyond? We need to keep in mind that transportation is responsible for 24% of direct CO2 emissions from fuel combustion. And actually, this percentage has steadily rising, usually around 2% every year since 2000. And having in mind Green Deal and ambitions goal that Europe has, transport is one of the issues that actually um, needs to be addressed to change from one side our behaviors on like traveling, using the cars, but also to prepare the businesses to respond to these challenges. What we see now in Europe nowadays that every car manufacturer has electric car or plug-in hybrid, electrifies the whole branch of their cars. 
There is a lot of manufacturers or uh, EV charging infrastructures like slow chargers, fast chargers. We see also a lot of businesses related to the battery, battery production, battery utilization, uh, battery recycling. So what is visible now in Europe that the, the, the economy based on transportation is changing completely, giving the opportunity for a new business model, for new company to grow, and also for different players to enter this market. I'd like to explore that a little bit more. Many of our listeners are probably familiar with some of the more consumer-oriented businesses in the e-mobility sector, like the car manufacturers. But in the business-to-business space and some of the other behind-the-scenes elements, what does that look like? What are some of the businesses that our listeners may not have heard about? One of them is the battery sector, building up the small cells that are packed in the bigger package and then employed to the cars, but not only cars, but also for like a buses and other vehicles. Immobility is a very digital business as well. So many companies related with IT solutions are changing their approach dealing with the new support IT systems for the new business models. So we don't need to, for example, have an electric car. We have a possibility to rent an electric car and also to have one card or one app. We can charge our cars everywhere. So e-mobility is already leading to a lot of growth in electric vehicle sales and uh, disruptions in the market. And anytime those transitions happen, established business players face a different situation than some of the new players. And what are some of the main opportunities and challenges that the European Green Deal creates for the established players? And what are some of the challenges and opportunities for new businesses on the market? Actually, my experience that the old players, those who are already present in the automotive market, they are not really want to leave their comfort zone. It's good as it is. So that's why at the beginning of my adventure with immobility, I saw a lot of constraints from the different businesses related to automotive industry. But thanks to the regulation, legislation, Green Deal, we see that they are kind of forced to do it. Now they see that there is no way to change. They need to follow and create the new market opportunities. New players are coming to the market, like Tesla. Tesla, it was the really game changer for the automotive industry. And now the old players need to follow this path. You mentioned earlier that mobility is an area that is one of the most difficult to decarbonize and represents a growing share of Europe's CO2 emissions. Given the the high level of innovation needed to overcome that challenge, is there any key support you feel is still missing for businesses pursuing e-mobility opportunities? In Poland, it's quite difficult to talk about the immobility. Knowing our energy mix, which is mostly based on coal, we always have uh, constraints or questions that immobility doesn't make sense in Poland because it's a car uh, run on coal, uh, which is not environmental friendly with CO2 emissions and so on. But I believe that immobility is a part of a bigger ecosystem that allows us to make a transition from this dirty energy environment to actually new clean energy. What we see here, especially in Poland, that the new projects 
based on green energy are being developed, like offshore wind farms on the Baltic Sea. We see a lot of prosumers installing the PV panels on their roofs. We have already three gigawatts of photovoltaic installed on Polish roofs, so it's quite important number. What drives that? Uh, first, of course, price. Poland is really price-sensitive country. But in general, we also see that people are changing their attitude towards the new technology, green energy, having in mind that it's very important to take care of our environment for like air pollution. And we would like to live in a better environment for us and for our children. You have mentioned air pollution, and that was something I wanted to ask you about next. It is, of course, a major issue in Eastern Europe, especially in urban areas. And I would be curious to know how important will electric mobility be for addressing that issue in Europe? We are now talking mostly uh, on EV cars, but e-mobility is not only cars, it's also public transport that is runs on uh, electricity. And it's not only like trains or trams, but also now we talk about electric buses. I might also add about the new trend that is quite now evolving in European cities. It's micromobility using electric cars, scooters or other small devices to transport ourselves from one place to another. The cities are trying to implement the concept of five-minute city. So we can find everything in the surroundings of five minutes going on our foot or using bikes or using electric scooters. Immobility, as a bigger part of the whole transportation system, it's very important to improve the quality of air in this kind of cities. And people are really like now pushing the authorities of the cities to change uh, the politics, to have the regulations to improve the air quality in cities. I like that you've been speaking both about the vehicle side of things and the infrastructure side of things. It, mobility has always been a story about vehicles and infrastructure. And you've been involved in major infrastructure rollouts in the e-mobility sector. Please, could you tell us a bit about what those initiatives are or were and what lessons you, you can share with our listeners from that experience? It's not easy to build the infrastructure, and not only in, in Poland, but in general. We need to keep in mind that charging infrastructure is really energy intensive. It's quite difficult to obtain this power capacity in the remote areas. The grid capacity is not prepared. And the greatest constraints I faced uh, during implementation of my project, it was a long time for obtaining the grid connections. It took me two years to be connected with the electricity grid with the power capacity of 50 kilowatts. To develop, to rise the, the mobility, we need much higher power capacity. If you would like to have something similar to the petrol stations with eight stands, uh, like refueling stations, but charging stations, we need at least like one megawatt of, of power capacity. It's enormous number. It's a really big number that is quite hard to get. My impression now, the greatest barrier to develop the um, whole immobility is not about the batteries, it's not about the cars. It's not even the infrastructure or like investing in this network. It's rather to be connected to the electricity grid to have uh, big power capacities to charge the car. 
to finish our discussion, I wanted to ask you a bit more personal question, actually. So you have had a dynamic and a varied career in the mobility space. And I would be curious to know if you have any advice for young people who might be thinking about actually entering that industry and following your footsteps. What would you tell such a person who would like to do what you do? Not to be afraid of the new things. And it's great to see the result of the work that I've done. When I travel around Poland, I see my charging stations, you know, the logo that I was responsible to design or the stations I have taken. So I really felt that this charging network uh, that I started to do in my previous company, it's like my second kit. And it's a give me a lot of, you know, fun and, and pleasure that I have an impact. I have an impact to change our lives and our customs, our uh, usage of the car. So this is the first thing I recommend, not to be afraid of taking the risk of playing the new things. Immobility give, gives the possibility of the careers in the different sectors, in the battery sectors, in the electricity, in renewables, designing cars, So there's greatest opportunity to develop a career in this sector. Just not to be afraid. Great. Thank you so much for ending on such an inspiring note. And thank you for joining us today and for shedding a light on this great transition that we're beginning to see on the streets of our cities from your perspective of a person who is actually pulling the strings, making it happen. So thank you very much for, for your time and for your thoughts. Oh, that was so that was really interesting. Yes, I found it very, very interesting to understand that, you know, there are all the different pieces that are coming into this transition. So it's, as we talked also before, it's not just uh, about replacing existing cars with electric cars, but there are the different pieces of it, you know, and she mentioned the concept of five minute cities. And that's something I'm very excited about. Mm. So designing our cities in such a way that all the services are accessible and that we actually have, can have this more, you know, neighborhood-based and community-based living. So mobility, you know, becomes a bit different piece of the puzzle here. Yeah, I'm so I'm so glad you asked that question about advice for young people, because uh, I thought her answer was so. That was really really moving, actually. You know, this seeing her logo at the, on these on these uh, i was going to say petrol stations but they're more than petrol stations now because they're also charging uh, electric vehicles and her you know her advice for young people but it's also i mean you know she's in the middle of her career and, and is really doing edgy things um and says not to be afraid of new things so it's not just advice for people coming fresh out of uh out of school exactly and you know i come from poland myself so I understand very well when she says that sometimes it's uh, a bit challenging to bring in new concepts and new ideas. In Poland, for instance, the concept of energy security is important and sometimes it's also being hijacked to say mm. we cannot change things because the energy security you know, is a priority. But she's showing how we actually need to make those changes and how those changes actually are going to benefit us. And she, for instance, was talking about air pollution and how That's a problem that a lot of people are experiencing very directly today. And uh, we can be addressing multiple issues at once. So it's the climate change, it's the air pollution, and it's the materials in the environment as well. Yeah, I, I hope our listeners got a good impression of this complex story that is entailed with, it's both about vehicles, it's about the infrastructure, 
Um, there's established businesses facing challenges. There's new businesses emerging into the space. And it's, um, yeah, it's, it's so many opportunities opening up for innovation, uh, new thinking, and uh, things that extend beyond just the vehicle to, like you say, entirely new ways of uh, getting around. So it's, it goes beyond cars as well. What I really take away from this conversation is how amazing it is to feel that your work has impact. You know, those final words yeah. that Katarzyna had for us, you know, I travel around and I see what I have done. And that's something that I wish for myself. And uh, that's something that I hope many young people who are deciding on their careers today will be able to experience throughout their career. You know, I changed the world. Amen. <laughs> In our next interview, we pivot from the private sector to policy. We want to understand what role will the European Green Deal play in the mobility transformation that's already underway in Europe, as well as how can we get the environmental benefits of electric mobility while minimizing its potential downsides. To discuss this, we have with us Kerstin Mayer, who is a senior associate at Agora Verkehrswende a Berlin-based think tank that looks for ways to transform the transport system and make it environmentally friendly. Among other topics, Kerstin's work focuses on electric vehicles, their role in the decarbonization of transport, and the development of charging infrastructure. Kerstin, welcome to the Green Deal Big Deal podcast. Thank you for having me. We see and we experience the present transport system every day, and that can make it hard for us to imagine a future that would be very different. I would like to ask you if you could paint for us a mental picture of how such future transformed mobility could look like and what experiences can we expect to have. When we think about the future of transport, a few things come to mind. First of all, we are likely to have many more electric vehicles on the streets. The entire car fleet will be electric. Buses will be electric too. But it's not enough to electrify vehicles. It's also really important to walk more, cycle more. We will see more ride sharing, more car sharing, and also more micromobility, such as e-scooters that we see in uh, a number of European cities already. I also expect there to be less car traffic in the city centers, more working from home and less commuting. You're describing a future that has some of the aspects of today, but actually looks quite different when you think about it. And I'm really glad that you brought up aspects that go beyond the electric mobility. Looking at the European Green Deal and the future you describe, what is the role of the European Green Deal in helping achieve that mobility transformation? One that takes the environment into account. And, and could you tell us about some of the key elements? The European Green Deal is very important for the mobility transformation in Europe. It's a very a large package of interconnected laws, which also affect transport. One of the key elements in the European Green Deal are the CO2 emission performance standards for new passenger cars. That's the legislation that sets binding CO2 limits for new cars. As you probably know, burning fossil fuel leads to CO2 emissions. And inversely, if you want to reduce CO2 from cars, you need cars to become 
more fuel efficient or to be electric. And uh, among the many elements in this legislation, the Commission proposes to limit the CO2 emissions of new cars completely by 2035. A limit of zero zero two would mean that all new cars that are sold by then need to be electric. This law that is now one of the uh, key pieces of the European Green Deal is under revision, so it is already existing at the moment, and it had a considerable effect on the German market uh, so far. The targets for 2020 and 2021 were instrumental for increasing the share of electric vehicles in Germany. In 2019, we had 3% of new cars being electric. In 2021, when these targets came into force, the number was 26% of electric cars. There are many other important laws in the Green Deal. For instance, um, the Alternative Fuels Infrastructure Regulation, um, which defines the minimum number of public charge points in relation to the number of electric vehicles on the street. And um, it also outlines minimum coverage targets for charging infrastructure along EU highways, both for cars and for heavy-duty vehicles. I would be curious to know, you know, if we look at the big picture of the European Green Deal and its overall goals to achieve climate neutrality, to also achieve a range of other environmental goals. I would be curious to know if you believe that those plans that you describe are ambitious enough to reach those goals, and if there are still any shortcomings or any missed opportunities that the policymakers should focus on in the future. The European Green Deal contains a huge number of laws, and the proposals also go into a lot of detail. So there are obviously individual results for individual proposals, but one of the key takeaways is I think it's really positive that the EU proposed the Green Deal in the first place. It shows that the European Commission is serious about going carbon neutral by 2050, and it also shows that it's serious to that it wants to put European industry on the forefront when it comes to clean technology. The other elements related to to other environmental aspects like circular economy are obviously also very important. When you zoom out a little from the climate discussion, we also uh, need to address things like raw material use and other impacts um, on the environment. But you were speaking of issues that could be improved Coming back to the car CO2 proposal, that's actually a law that's very important for the EU member states to meet their own national climate targets for transport. We think it's important to strengthen this proposal further, specifically regarding the targets for 2030 and 2025. Also, we think this legislation should contain yearly CO2 limits you mentioned uh, earlier a few statistics about the German vehicle market for electric vehicles. And I thought it would be nice to share a few more with our listeners looking at Europe overall. And because I think it really is quite fascinating and points to some of the dramatic changes underway. For me, as a person that actually follows this issue, these statistics surprised me. So I, I think it's uh, 
good to stay current and keep our listeners current as well. So first, starting with what's going on now, the New York Times reported last December, that's December 2021, that 20% of the cars purchased in Europe and the UK were electric. And for the first time ever, Europeans purchased more all-electric cars than diesel cars. And looking at a more global picture, Bloomberg had an article last week that new electric vehicle sales are expected to average one new electric vehicle every three seconds by the second half of this year, 2022. And looking to future years, just to get an idea of the ambition level in Europe, the European Commission announced it's aiming for a 90% reduction in greenhouse gas emissions from transport by 2050. And given that transport's now 25% of greenhouse gas emissions in Europe, those reductions could make a significant difference in addressing Europe's climate footprint. I think it's really important that you highlighted these numbers. And I think it's also important for our listeners to understand that this is not something that comes about just like that. The 20% new electric vehicle sales in Europe that you've mentioned, they are a result of EU policy and they are a result of EU environmental legislation. And there's still some discussion regarding to what extent electric vehicles are actually more climate friendly than other vehicle types. That's a debate we've seen in Germany. I'm sure it's taking place elsewhere as well. And in many EU countries, electricity is not that clean yet. So one of the maybe more challenging questions I'd like to ask, is a switch from petrol to electricity actually better for the climate? There's a number of things one needs to keep in mind here. You need to take into account that electric vehicles are much more efficient than conventional cars. So for the same distance, you need a lot less energy. And when you consider this, electric vehicles are still better for the climate, even if the energy mix is not all that green yet. But it's also important to keep in mind that this is an evolving picture. All EU countries have targets to clean up their electricity production. So over the lifetime of the vehicle, the electricity mix is going to become greener. And in the context of this discussion, it is also often mentioned that you need to take into account that the production of the battery also leads to additional emissions. This is true, generally speaking. So when you buy a new electric car, it's Production has caused higher emissions than the production of a new petrol or a new diesel car. But because the electricity is getting greener over time and because the electric car is so much more efficient, they generally outperform comparable conventional cars throughout their lifetime. So in the end, the climate performance turns out to be better. And turning to, you know, as we know, uh, fossil fuel vehicles um, need fossil fuel energy to operate. And that is taken out of the ground in various places uh, around the world. But electric vehicle batteries also require materials to be extracted and mined uh, in order to produce those batteries. And so that brings up a sort of a new environmental issue that we haven't dealt with before at scale in terms of sourcing lithium and, and other such minerals for batteries. Can you tell us a bit about that aspect and what needs to be done to ensure that the electric vehicle transition isn't just displacing environmental problems from you know one part of the world to another? Some people have mentioned 
that they fear we are going to run out of raw materials for batteries. But we think this is not going to happen. The global reserves for these raw materials are much higher than the expected global demand. But uh, nevertheless, mining for raw materials leads to environmental degradation, and it's important to limit this as much as possible. The extraction of raw materials is also associated with social problems, and battery commodities are no exception in this regard. And this is why it's important to have what is uh, so-called due diligence requirements related to both the environmental and social aspects for battery raw materials. In this context, the European battery regulation is important because for the first time, the EU tries to create a law that safeguards these environmental and social criteria that enshrines these uh, criteria in EU legislation. So the European battery regulation is a very important step in the right direction in making sure that we uh, get more responsible battery production and also more responsible mining. Can you actually tell us a little bit more about the new batteries regulation? It is currently being discussed. It hasn't yet been approved. So maybe you could tell us what is the current state of play and what are the main components that we can see? There are three main requirements or three main elements in the European battery regulation. And as you've uh, pointed out, it's still under discussion in Brussels. It was proposed in December 2020. And uh, it is now being discussed between uh, the European Parliament and the uh, representatives of the member states. The three main areas that I've mentioned are requirements related to the carbon footprint of batteries, uh, requirements related to recycling, and the responsible sourcing of raw materials that I've just spoken about. And when it comes to the carbon footprint, this um, legislation aims to improve the climate performance of batteries. The idea is to start with something like a climate label and to later establish maximum thresholds that need to be met by all new batteries sold in Europe. I've not mentioned uh, in earlier parts of the interview that the battery production has already been getting greener. So also there, we've been seeing a lot of improvement in recent years. Battery production can still get a lot more green. Basically, our studies show that the energy used during battery cell production can be reduced by up to 50% using existing technology. But this requires a legal framework so that these investments are actually taking place. Regarding recycling, this is a really important topic. And there are two kinds of targets in there. First, there's a requirement for certain minimum levels of recycled content of the new battery. So each new battery will have to obtain a certain level of recycled raw material. And second, there are detailed recycling targets for the specific raw materials used in batteries. So basically, when an old battery is recycled, there are binding targets for the recovery rates of how much nickel, 
lead, copper, cobalt, and lithium needs to be recovered during recycling. These two are the main important areas in addition to the um, requirements regarding the sourcing of raw materials. And um, the so-called supply chain obligations that I've mentioned earlier, they require producers of batteries to um, ensure they follow certain international guidelines and established protocols to create more fair and uh, less environmentally damaging mining process. It's very good that this legislation contains such requirements and that it's actually going to be made legally binding. You have mentioned that the regulation was is still being debated and I would be curious to know which are the elements that you really hope will be included in the final version that you find of utmost importance? Well, all the areas I've mentioned before are very important. Uh, this uh, battery regulation is also huge and it has many other uh, topics that I didn't mention so far. But um, one thing that is still under discussion is the question of when these deadlines enter into force. Uh, for instance, regarding the recycling. And I think it's important that the entry into force for the recovery rates is not delayed. We will have a huge number of electric vehicles, and it's important to have recycling in place as soon as possible. It plays an important role in the whole value chain because it reduces the need for raw material production. So recycling should happen rather sooner later, I think. Great. Well, thank you so much, Kerstin, for joining us today and giving us a glimpse into Europe's uh, mobility future. Thank you very much. Thank you. Aaron, what did you take away from our interview of Kerstin Mayer? Yeah, I found really interesting the aspect of how much progress there has been actually and is going on now and these surprising statistics you know the more electric cars than diesel cars uh, 20% of cars sold recently electric and also this aspect i think very important we focused on electric mobility with and via electric cars in our interview mostly but what she said at the beginning it was really important that this is a much bigger story it is about the way cities are plans, the way the the whole urban fabric works. It's about technology that comes from other areas. I mean, we have all seen the effect that smartphones have had on mobility and the fact that you can now via your smartphone find a car, rent a car. I mean, that that no one would have foreseen that, you know, before the advent of, of that level of mobile technology we have today. Yes, and that is something that we see and experience every day already. Uh, on the other hand, I'm really glad we discussed something that can be very uh, much away from our side, and that is the social impact and the human rights impact of the mining for batteries that actually power all that transformation. And I'm really glad to hear that the regulations that are being discussed actually address this topic in quite a lot of detail. Because, you know, if we're talking about this overall economic, social, environmental transformation, 
we need to be extremely serious from day one about ensuring that we have frameworks and we have systems that ensure that those environmental transformations are not found on slavery or human rights abuse. We also talked about how green are the electric vehicles in environments in countries where the electricity mix might contain 40 or 80% of coal. And I found it interesting to understand that not only they are already more efficient when they're on the roads, but I think it's also interesting to have that perspective that they have a certain lifetime, right? So they're going to be on the roads for 20 years. And um, we should understand that in parallel, there's a massive effort going on to make sure that this electricity system becomes greener. So with every year, those vehicles will also become greener. Yeah, so this is definitely a space to watch. And I think it's an interesting one for all of us because it's going to be so obvious in our lives. We've seen a, a real change in the way we get around cities, uh, the way other people get around cities. I, I notice an age difference in how <laughs> other people get around cities, you know, that, that, that there's a, a generational difference in adopting these technologies and, and a whole culture around it. Indeed. So probably we should download some apps for those little electric scooters and get on with the times. Yeah, you can help me out with that. <laughs> <laughs> that was all for today. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed learning more about the opportunities and challenges of the mobility transformation that we have ahead of us here in Europe. In our next episode, we'll continue with the theme of circular economy, looking this time at circular fashion. Of products consumed by Europeans, textiles have the fourth highest impact on the environment and climate. So it's an important issue. We'll be talking to a fashion designer as well as a circular economy expert to see what it's all about. In the meantime, we invite you to reach out to us, send us your questions and your ideas for next episodes. Let us know if anything that we discussed today has sparked your curiosity and you would like to learn more. And if you have specific ideas for next episodes, we would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with us by Instagram. You can send us a direct message. Our handle is at Green Deal Big Deal. You can also find us on our website, greendealbigdeal.eu and go to a contact section to send us an email. We will release a new episode each month. You can find the episodes on all major podcast platforms and apps, including Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts and Deezer. Please subscribe to the podcast to find the new episodes in your feed. This podcast is part of the European Environment Initiative, funded by the Federal Ministry for the Environment, Nature Conservation, Nuclear Safety and Consumer Protection. The ministry supports this initiative on the basis of a decision adopted by the German Bundestag. The podcast is produced by Karl Lehmann, Eva Ivashuk and Aaron Best. Sound design by Lena Ebli. Graphic and web design by Jennifer Rahn and Lydia Wilka. Special thanks to Camila Bausch, Michael Lawrence, Dirte Kemper, Lana Imelman and Ramiro de la Vega. Mm-hmm.